Welcome to Driving Automation, a podcast from CASA Companies, where we've brought CASA controls and automation and IntelliFinishing under the same umbrella to provide turnkey industrial controls and automation systems to a global network of manufacturers, contractors, and end users. Join us as we provide insights, expertise, and thought leadership to the automation industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Driving Automation, a CASA controls and automation podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show as we explore some high-level trends and intersect them with granular solutions in automating industrial and commercial workflows. Before we jump into today's conversation and introduce our guest, I want to make sure that you're getting all the CASA content that you need to totally understand our role in the industry and also just to tap into some of our thought leadership on other high-level topics. So make sure that you're heading to our website, casacontrols.com. Again, CASA with a K, controls with a C, Dot com For more of that thought leadership, including episodes of the podcast, videos, articles, blogs, and more. And you can also subscribe to Driving Automation on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations plus notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the show, we're excited to more officially announce for our podcast audience and specifically break down the expansion of CASA's solutions portfolio with CASA Parcel Automation, or KPA, as we might shorthandedly use in the conversation. Just to rewind the clock a little bit, since 1974, CASA Controls has been adding its expertise to the ever-evolving landscape of automation engineering in various legacy industries like automotive manufacturing, grain handling, food processing, and more. And not only has technology in automation evolved to integrate more powerful software, AI, sensor technology, etc., but it's also expanded in definition. What is now considered you know, up for automation or requiring an automated workflow 50 years ago or even 20, heck, even 10 years ago, may still have been considered a pipe dream. Nowadays, it's being considered a necessity. CASA has been on the bleeding edge of that big picture question and delivering on the tools that give a confident answer for automating critical workflows. And now, most recently, CASA's answer to that big question of what can or what should be automated is adding the CASA parcel automation team to the larger CASA vision, developing expertise and solutions for two key industries, parcel post, and distribution fulfillment. Again, parcel, post, and distribution fulfillment. So what we're going to be doing is digging into those two industries, how they're transforming expectations around automation, and in turn, we're going to break down how automation is helping elevate these growing footprints on the supply chain. So here to give us some perspective, I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Dan Vandenacker. He's vice president of CASA Parcel Automation. Dan, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Daniel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you joining us and giving us some insights into this addition to the CASA portfolio. And again, connecting the dots at a high level with what the trends in automation are in these industries and how they 
turn into some quality solutions from the CASA team. So we're going to be breaking down these trends at a high level and then slowly integrating CASA into the conversation more concretely. So let's go ahead and jump in. I want to start by defining and better understanding these two new industries, you know, at least new for the CASA team. Let's start with parcel post. So when we talk about parcel post, more concretely, we mean an industry with companies that deliver packages. Pretty straightforward. Now, that could be B2C, could be B2B, or even C2C, right? Consumer to consumer. So I'm curious to start, how have these companies like FedEx, DHL, UPS, how have they been challenged in the last several years? And how has this made the case for automation in their workflows? What are your thoughts? Well, I think that these companies have always leveraged a decent amount of automation in their workflows, but the total volume of packages that they're handling has increased substantially in the last several years, obviously escalated by the pandemic and, and all of the associated growth in e-commerce then. So not only are they looking for more automation and more facilities to be automated, they're also looking for a further reach of automation within their facilities. Now, does this include USPS too? You know, I guess the the public versus private distinction there, is that worth noting or have the issues been more or less the same for all parties? I don't think I could speak too much to the market forces at play with USPS versus some of these other entities, but I, I do think that the reach of automation and the growth within all of those companies is about the same. Yeah, USPS is looking to automate more. They're looking for less manual interactions and, and more throughput out of the same facilities. Yeah. Now let's paint a a wider picture here too. Can you break down for us how you see the successes or the failures of this stretch of supply chain? So, you know, the handling of packages by these independent carriers, how does this create ripple effects across the economy when things are working well and also when they face major disruptions like we saw over the last two years? Well, I think a lot of us have the expectation that a package is going to arrive you know, within a couple of days or exactly when our, our text from FedEx or UPS or otherwise tells us. So if we, you know, purchase something online and we get a notification that it's going to arrive on, say, Thursday, we're really expecting it to do so. And if the volumes in one of these facilities is is too great for them to be able to sort everything, it might see a delay in shipping and receiving a, a notification that your your package is delayed is, is never something that somebody enjoys receiving. So Expanding the automation and these companies growing their footprint is a very large part of everybody receiving their their parcels on the on the schedule that they're anticipating. How do you see that manifesting at the B2B level? So when you're dealing with sales and shipments between companies, whether that is of you know raw materials or parts to be put through the manufacturing line or whether that is you know a supplier purchasing from their distributor break that down for us how do you see that challenge or some of those small cogs in the wheel shaping up differently or similarly in a b2b context well i think it's very similar but on the b2b front it's probably more critical whereas on the b2c front it's probably more of a preference you know if your package doesn't arrive on time you might not be able to get your new toy till the next day. Whereas on the B2B front, you probably have another customer, another workflow or processor employees that are depending on it and not receiving a parcel on the B2B front could have you know, costs associated with it to the receiving business. Mm. And you mentioned this in your answer too, or in one of your previous answers, excuse me, but this part of the industry is also affected by other supply chain disruption, right? So as much as it faces its own challenges and has its own workflows to sort through when there is major disruption to the larger supply chain, like we saw over the last two years, 
this can also create domino effects that are difficult to predict. Can you give us an assessment of how much that disruption can or can't be mitigated by these players? Should automation be considered something that also solves or at least helps insulate against some of those larger scale disruptions that happen earlier or after their direct touch point on the supply chain? Well, I guess that's a pretty complex question to answer, just just as complex as the system is, I guess that you know can unravel with with one piece that becomes a disruption. I think automation certainly has a piece to play in the solution. But you know ultimately, if if one facility is anticipating a package to arrive on on the back of a truck at within a given you know hour window, they need to take that package and induct it into their system, sort it to a new destination, load it on a new truck, and have that truck leave within a certain hour window. So if those vehicles aren't arriving within their expected time frame and don't have the parcels on them that they're expecting, that immediately ripples through through that sort and to the next facility's sort and so on and so forth. And there's a decent amount of automation in that sort process already. So just simply not receiving a parcel on time is is definitely going to delay its its delivery and anything that might affect that throughout the entire supply chain would yeah, definitely have a detrimental impact. Now let's jump over to the second main industry that CASA parcel automation is breaking into, that would be distribution fulfillment. So these two go kind of hand in hand in that they're similar workflows, but they do have different market motivators and therefore are subject to slightly different disruptions. But especially in the last almost two years, again, we're going to be mentioning that time frame quite a bit. This has become not only commonplace across major retailers and grocers, but has also become a necessity in many cases, either during the height of COVID closures or due to some of the lingering changes to uh, customer shopping habits. Now, solidifying and normalizing this kind of buy online pickup in store or curbside pickup or you know doorstep delivery services that didn't exist now are the norm. So retailers with a strong online presence from Walmart to Starbucks, even to Home Depot, as well as e-commerce mainstays like Alibaba and Amazon, they've all expanded their distribution fulfillment capabilities pretty significantly. So where are you seeing the distribution arm of the supply chain taking on automation and why? Where are you seeing it be most needed for these specific workflows? I think similar to the parcel post industry, it's a large scale expansion of the the distribution and fulfillment space. There's a lot more demand for e-commerce materials and and warehouses are growing and, and people want their packages to be stocked and delivered on a timely basis. So, you know, we've seen, especially during the pandemic, a lot of materials that are out of stock and you know bigger warehouses or or closer warehouses to every every individual's region would help alleviate that problem so it's it's not necessarily just an expansion of automotive or automation as much as it is an expansion of the the scope of distribution fulfillment in general i think you know every player in that space wants to have more warehouses closer to their their customers and and so there's just a lot of new facilities going in to to meet that demand As a follow-up there, I'm curious your thoughts on how some of these other, I guess, sub-trends are intersecting with that. Now, that includes, like you literally just mentioned, more localized distribution centers. So that's one big trend we're seeing various retailers, big box or online-only investing in. We're also seeing micro-warehouses from a lot of smaller 
players in a larger ecosystem of online retail or grocery, investing in these small warehouses for a few select items, perishables, or aspects of their product line that are really taking off that can help serve some of the smaller big box retailer footprints or customers in their area. And then if we're looking at the food preparation space or the grocery space, those are also connecting with ghost kitchens, for example, which I think are just another example of localized distribution and an emphasis on maintaining quality and speed by building touch points in individual communities. Connect the dots for us there. How do you see some of those subtrends intersecting with bigger picture that we're talking about here? Good question. And I think that a lot of that is yet to be seen. But the the more local and the quicker B2C turnaround timeframes, you know, all of that I think is going to materialize as, you know, broader reach for the DNF space, less, you know, regional massive warehouses or massive centers. You know, I, I can think back five, 10 years ago, I, I live in the Michigan area and there's a company in, in Wisconsin that would stock parts. And there's another company in Texas that would stock parts. And I, you know, would always know if I, if I ordered from the place in Wisconsin, I could get it the next day. If I were from the place in Texas, it would be a few days later. And that's not so much a problem anymore because everybody, no matter where their headquarters are throughout the country or the world, wants to be able to um, distribute within the same time frame, no matter what the region is. So there's a lot more warehouses of just parts spread all over the place and, and the ability to get those into the fulfillment arm and, and hand it off to their customers is something that everybody wants to do quickly. So, you know, from Amazon, we're starting to see same day deliveries in large metropolitan areas. And, you know, I think it starts there and I think it spreads out to less metropolitan, more rural areas, you know, with, with time. I think everybody's going to, you know, not, not turn back from the two day delivery and it's going to, it's just going to ramp up to one day delivery or same day delivery. And, you know, I think that's coming with time and, and it's all just going to be more facilities and, and more localization. Hmm. Let's chat scale, too, and trying to connect the dots with the size of the operation and the need for automation. But does automation apply in the same way or does the motivator for bringing automation in or sort of how you even see it as a tool for a you know specific issue, does that apply the same way when we're talking Amazon versus a micro warehouse for a local retail chain or whether we're talking about, you know, automating business operation processes for a local boutique, right? Very different scenarios there. Do you see automation being thought of in the same way? Or maybe do you think we should be thinking about it similarly? Or is it worth viewing it in those different contexts necessarily? I would say from a 10,000 foot view, there's more similarities than not. Even some of the, the smaller players, they still need some sort of warehouse management system, some sort of sortation, some sort of ability to consolidate parts from their warehouse into, into packages to be distributed. And a lot of that can almost be somewhat standardized equipment. It you know will vary a little bit from from customer to customer as they require their their customizations, but ultimately you know warehouse management, sortation, filming equipment, it, it's definitely available at at any scale. As a follow up, there, how do you see automation differing when the investment motivator is different? So I'll pose two examples for you here. One investing in automation for in-house distribution services. So this would be when a retailer is distributing its own inventory versus when you're a company investing in automation for your online marketplace distribution and services. So this would be when a retailer is distributing for several third-party companies. 
does that necessarily impact how you view automation as a solution or certain metrics within automation that should be considered early on in the process? Or again, is there more similar than there is different? I don't think I'm the expert on the the macroeconomic front between those two, but the difference is certainly going to be in the size of the pocketbook. You know, how Mm. expensive of a project are they able to purchase? So there will be, yeah, some limits based on budget, but some of the offerings can be fairly affordable if they're a relatively standard product. Sure. Well, then maybe instead of at the economic level, more at the operational level, do you find that automating processes when trying to, you know, fulfill orders that are your own inventory, you're basically just managing brands under your umbrella versus you are the distribution arm for several small entities that all sort of still have independent communication with their customers as well. Does that operationally change how automation is considered or do you think it it should influence how it should be considered? I think it's a different tier of automation, if you will. Sure. There's probably more control to, you know, how the warehouse is laid out if it's all of your own in-house brands and you probably don't need as complex of a warehouse management system and you can you can kind of build your workflows based on your own product mix since you have control of both ends there. So probably some some less automation requirements just by containing your your design parameters. Hmm. All right, then, Dan, let's go ahead and jump into CASA's role in the bigger picture here and better understand how CASA is taking a lot of this high-level discussion we just had and turning it into actionable services for the distribution fulfillment industries. So I guess let's just connect the dots at a high level to start. We'll get more granular as we go along, like we just did with the last section. But how did all of this change over the last two years? How did this domino into CASA launching a new solutions portfolio in these two industries? And maybe more specifically, what did you identify as the main areas where CASA needed to support these two continuously expanding industries and why? Well, the industries were certainly expanding substantially. And Mm -hmm. CASA recognized that radical growth was the term that was often thrown around with our board of directors. And they wanted to address that with some sort of radical response. So opening up a a fifth business unit within CASA is is the direction that that we chose to go. And that's completely intended to just provide a a radical solution in CASA to the radical growth that, that this industry is facing. Now, could you break down the services then that are offered by CASA Parcel Automation and how they connect with the big picture industry needs we just uh, laid out during the first half of the podcast? Sure. So CASA Parcel Automation, just like CASA, is an electrical controls service provider. Mm -hmm. So for the parcel industry, both Parcel Post and the distribution and fulfillment spaces, we provide electrical installation and controls services. So that's the full breadth of the project from design through program development, factory acceptance testing, commissioning, startup, and sort support. Usually that integration is done with a a larger scale mechanical system integrator, and we'll provide the electrical and the controls component to their mechanical equipment. And sometimes it's just a controls only solution for the end user, depending on what the project scope is. You mentioned it there in your answer, but this is similar in scope to CASA's other touch points 
in automating various industrial workflows. Can you tap into some of that history for our audience here and answer this for us? How does CASA's history in the larger industrial automation space, how does this connect with your new line of services? And where in that previous experience did you pull from, uh, again, from other industrial automation expertise to build out the specific services for parcel post and distribution fulfillment? Well, CASA's background has been automotive for most of our lifetime. And not too long ago, we started a baggage handling systems, BHS division. And that BHS division has a, a bit more alignment to what we're trying to do in CASA parcel automation. And a lot of what we saw there was the ability to really control the front end of a project and, and to define some excellent FAT process and procedure. So we can create some fairly in-depth code, PLC programs, graphics, SCADA programs, and emulate all of them in-house well before we even get to the job site. So our code and our graphics and, and the full functionality of the system have been simulated and are you know, proven out in our offices before we get to site. We, we saw that success in BHS and we're taking that success into the, the parcel and the DNF space as well. You know, something I really like about how you approached this team was you built it from scratch, you know, you being CASA as an organization, but this was built from scratch as an extension of your organization rather than merging with or acquiring an existing automation company in this space. I know that was, a, a, excuse me, an idea that CASA floated at some point, but was basically shoved aside for the current iteration of CASA parcel automation, which was identifying key roles that needed filling and building out that team through strategic hires. So I'm wondering if you could break down that approach, that strategy just more granularly, but how did you approach building this team to meet your specific standards and what tough questions did you have to ask to yourselves as a company and how did that translate into making those right hires? Yeah, you're correct. Um, CASA did originally consider an acquisition of an existing controls provider in the, the parcel DNF space. Ultimately, the, the timing wasn't working out. The rapid growth was happening and, and the acquisition wasn't. There wasn't a perfect fit that was found. The culture at CASA is something that's that's very valuable, very important to all of us internally. And the reputation that CASA has with, with our customer base is something that's valuable and important. And we wanted to make sure that all of that was nurtured within CASA parcel automation. So the decision ultimately was made to get started, to meet the radical growth and, and not to wait any longer to do so. But it also gave us the opportunity to hire the key players that we wanted and, you know, organically build the culture within CASA parcel automation that aligns with CASA and attention to detail and, and quality delivery are, are two of the biggest things there. And that's something that we're hoping allows CASA parcel automation to really stand out in this space. Something else that I'd say helps CASA stand out in the various industries it serves is your factory acceptance testing workflows. This is going to be part of CASA parcel automation, but just for a little background for our audience, part of CASA's expertise lies with its recognized system integrator status with Rockwell automation products and part of delivering on the quality that CASA prides itself in through the integration process is by doing the due diligence on its softwares before they ever touch the factory floor. So your FAT process locks this in through Rockwell's Emulate 3D tool, and that virtually tests a digital twin of the system to make sure that the software aligns again before it makes its way to the end user. 
I'm curious how you see this being useful for the parcel post and distribution fulfillment industries. Connect those dots for us and more specifically, where in the automation workflows does this kind of triple checking oversight come particularly in handy? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because you're absolutely right. That is where we're hoping to set ourselves apart. And we're quite confident that we that we can and that we will. The FAT testing is done early on in the in the process. You know, a new project comes in and we go through the electrical design and from the design, we create programs, we create graphical systems and, and emulate 3D, create a representation of the system. And, and we're able to simulate how the mechanical system would work in software and we can apply our programs and our graphics to it. So we can see in the office before anybody gets to site how our code is going to work and we can work a lot of the bugs out of it. We can test and debug on advance. The benefit there is on the tail end of a project, the end customer has a firm line for when this equipment needs to go live. And during a project schedule, anything in that critical path can can make that slip. You know, maybe there's material shortages or the installation schedule didn't quite go right or the pandemic caused staffing issues or anything along those lines. The very last piece of that critical path in the schedule is the commissioning of the system to make it go live. So if everything else is late, the commissioning still needs to be done on time. And when we come in with programs that are already fully tested and, and debugged, that commissioning timeframe can be cut in half, if if not even more. So we're able to, to make up schedule losses. We're able to be efficient and effective on site. And if there's a lot of dynamic moving pieces at the end of this project, we don't have to add to the chaos with bugs and issues and open items lists and punch lists and things that just aren't right. We can come in confident in our code, confident in our product and ready to deploy it and verify that it works on site just as well as it did in the lab. All right, Dan, just about done here, but want to open it up to final thoughts from you on the future here and how CASA is trying to stay one step ahead of what its industries needs. What would you say is CASA's vision for evolving its services, specifically with KPA, to meet the coming demand in these two industries? Because it doesn't really seem like you know, e-commerce adoption or a distribution fulfillment or the need for everything from B to B to C to C transferring of goods and, and packages is going to slow down anytime soon. So again, what's your vision for the future of these two industries? And what's your vision for evolving your services in KPA to meet that coming demand? Good question. I think what's going to be the best for CASA automation, you know, our, our backbone is going to be essentially sticking to the basics. You know, if you're a sports team and you like that analogy, we're a service provider more so than a product provider and the ability to provide that service effectively on schedule and, you know, without issues or without headaches to the customer is going to be a, a very valuable thing. So if we can continue to maintain the same level of excellence and quality delivery on our services, I, I think that's going to help us stand out. And as the market evolves, as the technology evolves, and we're going to continue to learn and, and grow with those those processes. But at the end of the day, I think what's going to set us apart is our ability to perform the projects and execute the services that we want to provide effectively and, and without issue to our customers. I love it. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Casa Parcel Automation stays one step ahead of its customers' needs and hopefully ends up setting a lot of the standards for the kinds of automation solutions that will meet today's and tomorrow's growth in these two industries. So 
Dan, thank you again for your time today. It's really been a pleasure getting to talk high level uh, shop here with you on how parcel post and distribution fulfillment as industries have changed in the last several years, how that's turning into needs for automation, and then where CASA fits into the big picture. So thanks again to our guest, Dan Vandenacker, Vice President of CASA Parcel Automation. And Dan, if folks want to find out more about some of your specific work in this space, they want to get in touch or they want to learn more about CASA's addition to the portfolio with parcel automation, how can they do so? CASAcontrols.com would be the way to go. Boom. Love when it's that easy. All right, Dan, thanks again for your time. It's really been a pleasure and we'll chat again soon on the podcast. Thanks, Daniel. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Driving Automation, a CASA controls and automation podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want previous episodes or you want to make sure you don't miss out on future conversations that intersect some of these big picture trends with our solutions and services and the technologies powering industrial automation, then make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and make sure that you're heading to our website, like Dan said, casacontrols.com. Again, CASA with a K, controls with a C, dot com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Driving Automation.